going to be starting a two-week series on the story, the Christmas story, if you will. I'm going to go at this a little bit different than normal because a lot of you know the Christmas story in this room, but I'm hoping some of you might not be that familiar with what we're going to talk about tonight. But I want to go at this idea of waiting to begin with <clears throat> because I am not good at waiting. I know all of you are really good at waiting, but personally for me, I'm horrible at it. And that song, one of the lines in that song struck me as I was back there singing, we're desperate for your presence. And I will tell you, I was in here praying earlier today, and I will tell you, if no one, and I know I'm not the only one in the room, but if, if there's no one other than myself, every Wednesday night, I am desperate for God's presence in this room. Because if God doesn't show up here, this is an absolute waste of our effort and time. Because I really believe there's a lot of prayer that goes into a Wednesday night, and I really believe that God shows up every Wednesday night. And I believe he's talking to those that may know him and those that may not know him yet. I believe he's at work all the time in this room and every youth group in our town, not just here at Inside Out and High Plains Community Church, but at the other youth groups in town as well. So I'm praying that somebody else in this town other than us is talking about the things of God tonight and maybe along the lines of these Christmas stories. But what I want to ask you guys to do, I want you to turn to your tables and I want you to dig into this idea of waiting. Are you good at it? And what's the hardest thing about waiting? That's what I want you guys to talk about real quick at your small group tables, and then we'll get into tonight's message. Am I the only one that when I was a little bitty kid, I had to wait for my presents at Christmas? Drove me crazy. It was horrible, isn't it, Brooke? I mean, I know, and, and but my parents would put stuff in the boxes that would make noise that had nothing to do with the gift. So I rattled it around, and I'm racking my brain trying to guess what this thing is, and they put rocks in there or BBs in there, things when I would roll the box back and forth. It would make noise, and it, I'd open it up, and it'd be like it was a pair of socks. It had nothing to do with what I was waiting for and trying to figure out. Am I the only one? Is anybody waiting for Christmas presents this year? Are you excited about it, or are you guys just too old now? Okay, I want, I, does everybody in the room still believe in Santa Claus? Say yes. Okay, do you guys know St. Nicholas is a real person, by the way? Does everybody know that? Back in, like, does anybody know where St. Nicholas lived and where he ministered? What country? No, not Antarctica. <laughs> not the North Pole. Turkey. So St. Nicholas was actually a, a real person if you look at Santa Claus. But that's not what I want to talk about tonight. What I, what I do want to talk about is I want to talk about a gap in history. A gap between the last book in the Old Testament, <clears throat> which is Malachi, and the first book in the New Testament, which is... Matthew, thank you very much. Does anybody know how many years, what years, how many years spanned between the end of Malachi and when Matthew was basically taking place? Does anybody know? 400 years. That's pretty good, Carson. Good job. 400 plus years of, they call this the silent years. And it wasn't really silent. God was still in the midst of what was going on with human race, but he didn't send any prophets. There were no angels. <clears throat> there was no communication from heaven to earth. God was still here. He was still moving. If you look at history and tradition, there's some things that took place. But according to scripture, it was over 400 years since anybody had heard from God. And then all of a sudden, to put this into context real quick, what happened was within this Christmas story, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, was in the Holy of Holies doing his priestly duties. The angel Gabriel shows up. Imagine being in a room. Go home tonight, lay in your bedroom at night and think the angel Gabriel shows up and talks to you kind of freak you out a little bit, wouldn't it? But we don't look at scripture like that, do we? Because we know the story. 
But think about it. He shows up and he tells Gabriel, you're going to have a son. You guys know the story. Makes him dumb. That strikes him dumb. He can't speak until John the Baptist is born. And then you've got Mary. 400 years. Generations have gone by. And nobody's heard anything out of God. And yet you see faithful souls. You see Zechariah going into the temple, into the Holy Holies, doing his priestly duty once a year. <clears throat> you see Mary when the angel Gabriel shows up and addresses her, highly, highly favored one. How can you be highly favored by God if you're not walking with him? Had not heard from God for 400 years. Generations have went by, but you still see people in Scripture being faithful to the things of God. Joseph's another one. Angel of, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream at night and said he's supposed to marry Mary, Mary, because she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son, and he's a virgin, who Isaiah talked about that. Do you guys know how many years that was? Isaiah chapter 9, I believe, it talks about a virgin will be born, right? Or a child will be born to a virgin. A virgin will give birth to a child. 700 years before that took place, it was prophesied by Isaiah. That's how amazing scripture is. So if you ever wonder if the Bible is true, the Bible is the only religious book or the only book that has the guts to prophesy things, speak things into existence 700 years before it ever happened. In the book of Micah, it is written that Jesus will be born, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Jesus has no control over where he's born, does he? 400 plus years, that was prophesied before it happened. So if you ever wonder why scripture is true, that's why it's true. It's the only religious book that ever has the guts to say, this is going to happen. And then you see historically and through scripture that it's happened. So you see these things taking place. All these people, Israel is waiting for the Messiah. Israel is waiting to hear from God again. All this takes place. You guys know Jesus is born in a manger. You guys know the story. The shepherds show up. The magi show up at the house, give him gifts, frankincense, gold, and myrrh, right? You guys all know these stories. You know what the baby in the manger represents. That baby in the manger shows up to go to a cross, from the cradle to the cross for us, for our salvation. Because Mary was told, and G Joseph was told, name him Jesus, for he's going he's to take away the sins of the world. He's going he's to save his people. But there's somebody I want to talk about tonight named Simeon that you find in Luke chapter 2. See, Simeon was also waiting and you see all these people, what I want you guys to see is, what I want you to get, catch tonight, if I can, for the next few minutes is, how are you waiting on God? How good are you are waiting, number one, and how good are you at waiting on God? And what type of a man or woman are you while you're waiting? Mary was highly favored. Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord because God basically left him to raise Jesus as his son. You see, Zechariah was being faithful. You see all these people in Scripture living a life of faith while they're waiting on the Lord to return for 400 years. And we pray and we get mad at God because our prayers don't get answered the next night or the next day. Make sense? How are you waiting? What type of a Christian are you while you wait on the things of the Lord? This is Zechariah, and this is what I want us to get our arms around tonight because that Malachi talked about how they were going to be in trouble still. Between the Old Testament and New Testament, Israel was being a bunch of disobedient brats. But within that mess, you have very faithful people that are raised up by the Lord. I would say it this way. In the mess that is our world today, there's very faithful people that are just living their life for Christ. 
going to work, going to church, raising their kids in the ways of the Lord, and they're not getting their prayers answered yet. Sometimes God always answers prayers. Sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's yes. He's always answering our prayers. It might not be the way we like him to be answered, but you see Simeon, and I want to break down the scripture tonight, and I want to give you guys an idea of who Simeon was and what he did and the type of person he was while he waited. And this, I think, is a very important part for us to catch as we look at the scripture tonight. And I'm going to read, uh, let's see here. Uh, hold on, got to get my paper out. Okay, we're going to read this, and it's going to be out of the book of Matthew, or Luke, excuse me, chapter, chapter 2, the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to give you a couple quick thoughts and let you break up in your small groups. Luke 2, chapter, 20, or chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Now remember, Jesus has already been born. Manger scenes already happened. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he and had revealed to him, so the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal to God to the nations, and he is a glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed him, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. When you look at this guy, Simeon, I want to look at the type of person he was to begin with. So what type of person was he? And as I talk about him tonight, I want you to take and compare the character that Simeon has and the type of person he was while he was waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And that's the second thing we'll talk about. He was righteous. It says he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. That idea of righteous back then meant he was righteous towards others. He treated other people well. The word righteous is applied to the one who has right in character and in action. Right before whose eyes, though? He was right before God's eyes. He was right in the presence of the Lord. Who are you right in front of? To be righteous means that you are living right before God, that you basically fear the Lord because he's God and you're not. It's this idea of turning over all your possessions and everything you are to God and saying, here I am, Lord, I'm yours. Because we've got to remember the Holy Spirit told him he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. So Simeon, when you look at scripture, you see the, the, the shepherds kind of represent the more of the poverty-stricken people because shepherds were out in the field. But when you see Simeon, he's this idea of this devout, righteous, elderly man. We don't know how old he was. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But you get the sense that he was a gray-haired fellow that had lived his life for a long time, walking with God. 
I know a lot of you in this room may know him, and a lot of you may not. We just lost our World War II vet, a very good friend of mine, Carl Reimer. And I looked at Carl when I was first saved 20 years ago. I would sit in um, Sunday school classes with Carl and Lee and a couple of these other guys that were older than I was. And it always struck me to look at someone who was a little longer than in the tooth than myself and think, how can they love God that much when they're as old as they are? Carl had to be 75 years old when I first got to know him, probably. He was in his early 70s at best. And he just passed away last week, about a week ago. He's 94 years old. But I watched this man, and he was an example to me of watching him walk with God and love God through all the aches and pains that age brings. This is the type of man that you see in Simeon. You see this righteous, devout person. See, in Jewish tradition, elderly people were respected. They were honored. In our, in our culture, you don't see that very much. When I was in China and Vietnam, and we were, when I was with Pat Klein over there with Vision Beyond Borders, I noticed this when we were on subways that for whatever reason, and I know the reason and I'll share it with you in a minute, when you were on subways or buses, if you were a young person sitting on a bench and an elderly person walked on the subway that you didn't even know, you got up and they took your seat. No questions asked. The older person didn't come up and say, hey, can I have your seat because I'm old and I'm tired and I need to sit down somewhere. When they walked on the train, the younger people got up and let them sit down. They honored their elderly in that culture. How do you live your life when it comes to that? Think about that for a second. How are you with those that are longer in the tooth than you? Because I think a lot of young people, not saying that you guys are, but a lot of young people look down their nose at old people because you're just old. You're not, can I put it kind of because I am a hip, cool youth pastor? You're not woke. <laughs> really? Now, they might not be woke, but guess what? They're going to heaven. And they've been walking with God for a long time. And that's what you see in this story when you look at Simeon and the type of man he was. And it struck me because sometimes we just miss this. But here's what I also want to share in this story. See, because I love young people. And I believe in you guys. And I, I hope you know that by now, that I believe you guys are amazing. Because what you see in this story as well is, yes, you see Simeon, but you also see Joseph and Mary being obedient to the law because they brought Jesus to the temple that day. That was part of the process of um, raising a kid up. You brought them to the temple. That's what the law said. So you see Simeon, wise, elderly, a lot of wisdom, walking with God, waiting, which I'll talk about in a minute. But you also see Joseph and Mary being very obedient to the things of God. And I think that's the people I'm looking at tonight. You guys are very obedient to the things of God. But don't you ever... God laid something on my heart a long time ago, and I think we've accomplished this in youth group for a long time. I always believed that if you could take the elderly generation, the ones that walk faithfully with God and love God and bend ups and downs and families and tragedies in their life, but just stay faithful with God, and you could take a bunch of high school kids who love God and got energy and are eager and want to serve, and you could take those two generations and bring them together, you would have an explosion spiritually that would change the world but culture tells us to stay apart. Culture tells you guys they're not woke and you got to look down your nose and don't listen to them and don't honor them because they're just out of touch. My parents don't get it. They're too stinking old. But then also what we do is our generation, who are a little longer in the tooth, we look at you guys like you're a bunch of punks. You got your tattoos. You got your long hair. You got your stocking caps. You got attitude. And a lot of, a lot of elderly people look down their nose at you guys. The leaders in this room don't do that. We love you guys and we're amazed at you. But if we could ever get these two generations in our country to come together 
And you can glean from the wisdom of a Carl or a Lee or whoever that is, and that they could see and you could give them, you could infuse energy into them. I think the waiting on the things of the Lord wouldn't be near as hard. And you guys would know what it looks like because God blesses you enough. You're going to be 94 someday too. How are you going to be with God? What type of person are you going to be while you're waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled? Are you going to be like it says here, where it says Simeon was eagerly waiting for the Messiah? Are you eagerly waiting for God? Are you eagerly living your life for God? See, because Simeon was the kind of guy that just lived his life the way he did because he believed God's word was true. He believed that the Holy Spirit came and told him and laid it on his heart that you will not die until you see the Messiah. And Simeon believed him. Do you sit in this room tonight? Do you believe God's word is true? I hope so. Are you eagerly waiting for the Messiah? Are you eagerly waiting for God's presence on a Wednesday night? Or are you just sort of a Christian that's living your life? See, I think we miss the power of the Holy Spirit when we talk about these kind of things because he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to show up. He really believed what God said was true. Do you? Because if you eagerly believe what, and you believe in your heart what God's word says is true, then you'll find your identity in Christ, not in what everybody is telling you and how you see yourself at school. Simeon found his identity in God. That's how you see him living his life. So the second thing you see here is the promise. It says, The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit of the Lord led him into the temple. So when Joseph and Mary came to present baby Jesus, as the law required, Simeon was there. Imagine Simeon. He took Jesus in his arms. He waited for this moment that God promised him. He takes this baby in his arms and he praises God because of it. Because this promise that God had laid on his heart was fulfilled. But it didn't come when Simeon wanted it to come. It came when God said, God said it was going to happen, but are you willing to wait? Simeon was willing to wait. And he eagerly waited for God to show up. When you see this story, I think in this story that you see this when the promise was fulfilled, by the way, you see Joseph and Mary. Think about Joseph and Mary for a second. Mary's out on a hillside. The angel of the Lord appears to her and says, Mary, you're highly favored and you're going to be, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be conceive a child and you're going to be a virgin that's going to give birth to the Messiah. Okay, girls, does that strike you as odd? There had to be some times Mary was going, Really? She didn't question God, but she just had questions. Joseph, angel of the Lord shows up. Joseph, his girl had gotten pregnant and it had nothing to do with it. They were legally basically married. And Joseph has the angel of the Lord come to him and he says, hey, this, this baby that she has was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Take Mary as your wife and you'll be fine. So I think, reading into scripture a little bit if I can, I think when they got to the temple that day, this is confirmation for Joseph and Mary as well that what they heard and what they're experiencing is real. That through Simeon, the Holy Spirit is speaking to Joseph and Mary because they said they looked on this with amazement that this was taking place. So when you see all these promises fulfilled and you see all these things happening, I think when you read scripture, you see things going on. And, and then Simeon says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. 
But before that, he says this. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. God told him he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. But when he saw the Messiah, he confessed, Lord, I've seen your salvation. Now let me die in peace. Are you saved? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you experienced salvation? Here's a question for you. Are you ready to die? Simeon said, Lord, I've seen your salvation. I'm ready to die. Nobody knows when he died. He says, my confession is I'm ready to die. If you're saved and you've experienced salvation, are you ready to die? Sobering, isn't it? Because, see, we don't know when our next breath is promised. Scripture makes that very clear. So I think the way the Holy Spirit ministered to Simeon through this story is something we can learn because you look at it this way. Verse 25 says the Holy Spirit was upon him. That being Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Where's the Holy Spirit now as Christians? In us. See the difference? The Holy Spirit before Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit is universally given to all believers. Now the Holy Spirit of God came upon Simeon. And prompted him to go to the temple that day. Now we have this Holy Spirit that lives within us that guides us through our day as Christians. We have no excuse not to follow God. In verse 26, it says this, the Holy Spirit revealed a promise to him. So he was upon him, he revealed a promise to him, and then the Holy Spirit moved in his life, and that's why he went to the temple that day. So that when Joseph and Mary came, see God orchestrating this whole story? God's in the middle of this whole story because of the Holy Spirit's on Simeon. And now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And I will tell you that the Holy Spirit just told you a minute ago if you're ready to die or not. Because as soon as I asked you that, the witness of the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart. I believe that's true. And he either confirmed that you're in good shape or you know what, we got some stuff we got to talk about. Because God loves you. And I believe through the Holy Spirit that God's faithful to tell us that. After 400 years, finally, Emmanuel, God with us. God shows up on the scene. The last thing you see here in scripture is the prophecy. The prophecy is this, then it says this, then Simeon blessed them, that being the baby and Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many to fall and many to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. In this room tonight, are you opposing God? I don't know where your hearts are at, but I think these kind of things, when we look at Scripture, I think it's important for us to seek, let God search our heart. Are we against the things of God, or are we for the things of God? Because Simeon made it very clear in this prophecy that many will fall and many will rise because of this baby. He looked right at Mary and told her that. Imagine being Mary, girls, that this guy shows up at the temple, he's holding your baby, and he looks right into your eyes and says, many will rise and many will fall because of this child. And then he goes on to tell her, he has been destined, he has been sent as a sign from God, and many will oppose him. Imagine Mary. That's somebody telling her that her kid's going to cause trouble. And many will oppose this child that Mary's been told and Joseph's been told that is the salvation of Israel. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Be Mary for a minute. 
you're in the temple, you really believe you've given birth to the Messiah, and this gentleman, this older gentleman probably shows up and says, many are going to rise and fall, and hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your side. Not Jesus's, Mary's. Because see, Mary knew what Christ was going to go through, according to scripture. But yet Mary raised Jesus up as a believer, and he ended up on the cross. And Mary got to watch the whole thing. Imagine your child going through that. Because there's going to be times that your child is going to be carrying a cross, just like you guys do when you're in high school. And you're walking with Christ, and you've got a cross to bear. Are you going to continue to carry it, or are you going to lay it to the side? See, Simeon, I believe because the Holy Spirit was on him, and God had revealed these things to him, Simeon was devout and righteous and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. So what I want you guys to do is I want you to break up into your small groups and I want you to answer those few questions. And one of the questions I want you to ponder, because I'm going to talk about this again in a minute, what did it have to be like to be Simeon when he really got to see the Messiah, the fulfilled promise of God? Talk amongst your small groups and we'll come back up in a minute. Back up here to the front of the room, please. I got something I want to share with you. It's going to be real quick, real short, real sweet. But it's pretty cool. Because you guys know, this thing called Advent is what we've been talking about. Advent basically means every Christmas, it's not all of Christianity does this, but when we recognize Advent, a lot of churches do. But when you look at the thing, this idea of Advent, it is about waiting. The first Advent, Israel was waiting for the Messiah, for the child. Well, it showed up as a baby in a manger, right? So they were waiting. That's the first Advent. Do you guys know you're waiting as well? You have an Advent. It's the second advent. And the second advent is this. When, when Simeon had to wait and watch for the child, the Messiah, right? We're watching for the Messiah to return. Because it says this in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said. These are the angels talking to the people watching this. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We're waiting for the Lord's return. Just like Simeon, we're waiting. And just like Simeon, I got a question for you guys to think about. So how are you living while you're waiting for the Lord's return? Are you living expectantly waiting for Jesus to return at any moment? Because the only reason he tarries, according to Peter, is because he doesn't want to see any souls lost. He loves mankind enough where he tarries. He's waiting to come back. He's waiting for this return to happen. Are you eagerly waiting for the Messiah to return? Are you living your life in such a manner that if Jesus walked in the door tonight, you wouldn't go, oh, hi. That you would be like, Simeon, it's the Lord. It's the salvation. It's the Messiah. I want to play a song because I want you guys to realize we are waiting for the Lord's return and he is coming back. We might not know when, but I want to play a song for you. You all know it. I can only imagine. As I play this song, I just want you to sit and I want you to ponder. Are you ready to die? And when you see him, what will your response be? You guys talked about what Simeon had to think when he saw the baby in the temple. What's it going to be like for you when you see the Lord? Because I can only imagine is a good way to put it. Listen to the song. Let God talk to your heart. If you have anything you want to visit about with a leader after youth tonight, make sure you do that, but pay attention to the screen. Simeon was promised he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the Lord's salvation. Scripture promises us that Jesus is going to return. 
That's the second advent. If it was tonight, are you ready? Because see, I think knowing that should impact the way we live our lives as Christians. I think it should make a difference. I think it should cause us to eagerly await the Messiah's return. Exactly like Simeon was eagerly awaiting to see the Messiah. I pray, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name that each student in this room and each adult, that this would impact us. That the story of scripture, when we think about the baby in the manger, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that came to save us, some will fall and some will rise. And your Holy Spirit ministered to many people along the way in that story, Lord, and Simeon was one of them. And I pray that myself and each person in this room would be like Simeon as we wait to be a person who is righteous and devout and a person who is eagerly waiting our Messiah's return so that when you come or we meet you face to face, that we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because these promises are true in Scripture. We're saved by grace, and our Lord's going to return. That's the second advent. So as this Christmas season, Lord, I pray that each one of us, as we look into that cradle, we would see the cross, but we would also see the Lord's return when our Messiah comes back to get us. So Father, help these things minister to our heart this Christmas season, and may we eagerly await your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.